The Apostle Peter was transformed from an impulsive follower into a self-controlled leader. Have you struggled to make that transformation on your own? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers some practical steps to help you improve in the area of self-control with help from the Holy Spirit. Continuing the series, Everything You Need, here's David to conclude his message, Personal Discipline. Personal discipline is one of the links in the chain that is created by Peter in his second letter. And uh, we've talked about it for one day, and we come back to conclude our discussion of it today. One of the most important things as we walk with the Lord is to learn how not to be controlled by our emotions, by our feelings, by what's going on around us, our circumstances, but to have an inward control, that control being the Holy Spirit, and allow the Spirit of God to give control and purpose and direction to our life. You can't imagine the adventure that brings to you and how much anxiety it removes. We'll talk about that some more in just a moment. But first, let me remind you that uh, in July of 2024, we'll be heading back to Alaska for our annual conference cruise. Sailing on Holland America's Eurodam, we'll be with Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega, with special guests Tony Dungy, James Brown, and Daniel Jeremiah, and David Todd Jeremiah as well. We'll have a great time together, especially the men who don't always get thought of when we do programming like this. So guys, make sure you bring your bride and come on this cruise and enjoy this time with us in Alaska. More information about it at davidjeremiah.org. Right now, this is Personal Discipline, Part 2. I had a friend who did seminars around the world and around the country, and he asked me to go and teach some things. And he said, I want you to do a seminar on time management. Well, I was pretty structured, and so I thought, okay, I'll do this for pastors. And I kind of played a little trick on them, to be honest. I asked them when they came in and sat down in my seminar to take the three-by-five card that I'd put on their desk. And I said, I want you to write down on this card the five most important things in your life from one to five. So I did the seminar, and they got all done, and I said, okay, now, take that card, and on the back of the card, I want you to give me the best estimates that you can of how you spend your life each week. How do you spend your time every day? I said, you don't have to be totally accurate, but do the best you can. So they did all that. And then I said, okay, turn the card over again and ask yourself this question. These are my top five priorities. Does the way I spend my time match up to what I say is the most important in my life? And there would be a groan that you could hear in the next room. Because they all realized that what we say is important in our life is not important to us unless we really live our lives that way. So I came up with this very subtle change in my strategy. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing as time management. Time rolls on whether we like it or not. You can't manage time, but you can manage yourself, right? And you know what? Time management's easy to talk about because it's not really possible. But the Bible talks about that. The Bible tells us that you and I live within the grace of God, and within the freedom of that grace, we are to control ourselves. So here are some ideas that I want to give you for your little notes and for your lives. How do you work toward building greater discipline in your life? Number one, most important of all, ask the Holy Spirit for help. 
Welcome the Holy Spirit's help. I have been so impressed by how often the concept of self-control is linked to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. It dominates the whole book of Galatians. Paul said this, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, let the Spirit of God control you, and you won't be tempted to go outside the lines. Let the Spirit of God reign in your life, and you will have the freedom to live where you are, and you won't be casting your eyes on the other side of the barrier where you ought not to go. Notice the order. The Bible doesn't say, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, and you will walk in the Spirit. The Bible says you have to be filled with the Spirit each day under His control, and if you do that, you will be able to say no to the lust of the flesh. Ask for the Holy Spirit's help. One of his books Randy Frazee described a conversation he had with pollster George Gallup Jr. He said, during an all-day session at Princeton University, two men found a quiet spot in the gun room of the historic Nassau Club, and the subject of self-control came up. Randy started pontificating on how Christians just needed to get their act together and be self-controlled. George kindly stopped him and said, Randy, you're not an alcoholic, are you? Startled by the question, Randy said, no, I'm not. Well, I am, said George. My father was also an alcoholic. When I took my first drink, something happened to me that likely didn't happen to you or many others. I was hooked, and I couldn't stop. Even as a Christian, I tried and tried and tried, and I felt so defeated. It was ruining my life. And then in a moment of quiet desperation, I heard Jesus whisper to me, George, if you never lick this, that's okay. I died for this struggle in your life, and I still love you deeply. And Gallup paused and said, from that very moment, I haven't had a drink. It's been over 30 years. Randy realized he must add the idea of through Christ always to his thinking. I have the power through Christ to control myself. Without Christ, I don't have that power. He wrote, yielding to the love, grace, and presence of Christ in us is the only way we can ever be victorious. While not every Christian struggling with an addiction will experience the kind of deliverance that George did, the truth of Christ's commitment and deep love applies to us all. The Bible says the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power and love and self-discipline. Have you ever read that verse? The spirit that God gave us gives us power and gives us love and gives us, what's the last one, class? Self-discipline. Where does self-discipline come from? It comes from God. How does it work in our life? Through the empowering of the Holy Spirit who lives within you and in with me. So for this reason, I'd say the first step that you need to take if you're trying to work on self-discipline in your life is just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to take control of those areas of your life that you're struggling with. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And number two, adjust your thoughts. Let's go back to Simon Peter. Second Peter 1, 3 through 8 isn't the first time he mentioned self-control. This was a lesson he had learned the hard way. And he brought it up often in both of his letters. Back in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 13, he said this. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. 
C.S. Lewis says that Christians often blame their sins on their body. But in most cases, the body's just obeying impulses that are generated by the mind. Sometimes the body even resists what the mind's telling it to do. Almost always, the body hated its first smoke, its first drink. It was the mind that insisted on continuing the habits, thinking indulgence was sophisticated or cool. Likewise, the right thoughts circulating through our minds empower self-restraint. Scripture repeatedly urges us to banish thoughts that cater to our sinful nature and center our mind on pleasing God. Romans 8, 5 says it this way. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Solomon wrote in the Old Testament, Be careful what you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. The ultimate answer to guarding your mind is to set it on Christ and draw on his strength. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says it this way. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Don't spend all of your time mulling over all the things that other people have, all the things that you feel like you got left out from. Set your mind on the things of heaven, the things that God has given you, the blessing that it is to be a Christian in a world where Christianity is little by little slipping away from us all. Ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Adjust your thoughts and recognize that most of the battles you have with self-control don't begin with your body. They begin with your mind. And you let those thoughts take control of your mind, pretty soon your body will follow along in obedience. And then there's the third one. Ask for the Holy Spirit help. Adjust your thoughts and acquire new habits. I confess I'm not a fan of Stephen King's books, but I am an admirer of his discipline. I've done a little homework on him. From his childhood, Stephen King wanted to be a writer. He wrote his first story in his preteen years and sent one to a magazine a few years later, and it was rejected. But he kept writing, and in the next several years, he built an impressive collection of rejection letters. (laughs) And he just kept writing. He was 26 years old and struggling to support his wife and two children on a school teacher's salary when he received a telegram from Doubleday Publishing. He could not afford a telephone at the time. They wanted to publish his novel, a story about a girl with telekinetic powers, And they offer an advance of $2,500. A check for paperback rights soon followed, topped by a movie contract. And of course, the rest is history. King became one of the most successful writers of modern time. And you know how he credits this to have happened? He said it was his self-control. He said, I write 10 pages a day every day, no matter what day it is, without fail. And he said, I have stuck to this discipline throughout my whole career, holding up in my office and allowing no interruptions, phone calls, or emails until I reach my 10 pages. 
King says he frequently has to force himself to write because he doesn't feel any motivation or inspiration. It's during these times that his self-discipline, 10 pages every day, is critical to his success. It's what has enabled him to publish multiple bestsellers of such consistent quality. Self-control, like Stephen King's, may not sound appealing. With day-to-day isolation, no interactions, no pleasures, no distractions, until a goal is accomplished. But the truth is, this is the step to the freedom to fulfill your potential. Like so many successful people, King developed habits in his life that empowered his self-discipline. And a habit is simply a way of doing painful things painlessly. Paul understood that the godliness every Christian desires can be achieved with the right habits. Did you ever read what he said to Timothy? He said, Timothy, exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that is now and that which is to come. He said to Timothy something very interesting, and some of you only take the first. You don't go to the gym, you don't do exercises, you don't work out because you read this first. (laughs) That exercise profits a little. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that it profits a little in comparison to profiting in godliness. How many of you know when you work out, the older you get, the longer you have to work out to achieve the same fitness you used to get with a lot less time? And here's what I've learned. If you take one week off at the age that I am, it's like taking a whole month off. So you can't ever win this argument. Ultimately, you will fail. Someday you will say, I ain't doing this no more. And the key is to wait as long as you can before you have to say that. Here's what we're learning from Paul. He's saying bodily exercise profits little. It helps you in the here and now. But spiritual exercise, the exercise toward godliness is way better because it not only helps you now, but it helps you in the life to come. Not only helps you live a better life now, but prepares you for heaven far better than if you don't ever do it. So you know why I like this verse? Because that phrase is the translation of a Greek word that sounds like this. Gymnasium. Gymnasium. That's the word. He says, get into the spiritual gym and get your work done. Do your bodily exercise. That's great. But don't forget while you're doing your bodily exercise to do your spiritual exercise, the exercise toward godliness. You say, well, how do I go about that? Well, here's what I would suggest. Take some area of your life where you struggle with discipline. And then ask God to give you a small victory in that part of your life. Maybe you spend money someplace that you know you don't need to do that. So just avoid that place. Don't do that. Go for several days and just don't go there and don't spend that money. It may not be very much, but at least it's a start. And then when you conquer that area, move on to the next one. And after several small individual victories, your habitual self-control will start to get better. No longer will you depend on sheer willpower. Keep doing this and the habit becomes second nature. That's when your life changes. One small step toward self-discipline. So let me give you another illustration that might help. I want to underscore the importance of allowing yourself to start small. What does a small step toward self-control look like? Here are some ideas I wrote down. You say, I don't read books enough. Well, read a page every day. 
I don't read the Bible like I should. Read some verses every day. And after you read a few verses, read a paragraph. And after you read a paragraph, say, this week I'm going to read a chapter. And you just start where you can. Get yourself some small victories that will build confidence in your life. Can you tell me today that you are not capable of reading a small paragraph in the Bible every day? Sure you are. Now, if I told you you need to read a chapter every day or you should read the Bible through in a year, that would be intimidating to you. But read your paragraph every day. When you do that, you will discover, first of all, you'll want to read more and you're able to read more because you've proven to yourself that you can do it. Clean out one drawer of your desk or your dresser. (laughs) I read this little book. Have you seen this little book that was a famous book? A little book like this about hoarders? And then how you stop being one? Oh, I read that, but it's just for fun. And they tell you, you got to do it all at once. No, you don't. You don't have to throw all those clothes out tomorrow. Do some of it tomorrow and some of it next week. And just work at those things that you need to discipline your life to do. So there's a lot of that. You can make up your own list. Don't try to do everything. Do something. Adjust your thoughts. Acquire new habits. And avoid tight spots. As you change to be more self-disciplined, you're going to study your own life. And you know what's interesting to most of us? We have certain failures that happen to us routinely at the same time and the same place in the same situation. I mean, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you're falling in a hole on your way walking home, find another route. You know, don't keep going the same way and keep falling in the same hole. It's amazing to me how we do that. We keep making the same mistake in the same place for the same reasons at the same time. And we don't have enough determination to say, this is not good. I need to stop doing this. You grow in your self-discipline by studying your life and analyzing where your failures come. So you can scrap some of those places and get out of those situations. Don't put yourself there. In his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear zeroes in on the science behind building good habits and breaking bad ones. One of his most enlightening insights involves self-control. He says, disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower. In other words, they spend less time in tempting situations. The book of Proverbs says the very same thing. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. A couple of chapters later in Proverbs we read, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. In other words, it takes self-control to avoid reacting to every controversy and every provocation. Remember, the concept of avoiding evil requires forethought. Instead of worrying about the issue itself, don't go where you often find yourself defeated in your life. You've got to stop the places where these things happen to you so that you don't have to stop the things happening to you. Little by little, if you do that, if you ask God to give you wisdom to show you where the pathway is that you get on that leads you to the land of nowhere you'll be able to do better. Remember, the concept of evil requires forethought to avoid it. You have to prepare for temptation before it comes. And then finally, 
ask for the Holy Spirit's help, adjust your thoughts, acquire new habits, avoid tight spots, and accept the process. What is the process? Here it is. If you mess up, don't give up. You know what the enemy does? I've learned over the years, and this is what I've learned personally about the devil, what the enemy does to me. First of all, he tells me I could never do that. And then I do it. And then he tells me I can never come back from it. He tells me you could never do that. And then you do it. The first lie was you can't do it because the Bible says, let him who thinks he can't fall take heed lest he fall. Don't be proud. Don't be arrogant. Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Don't be all haughty about how good you are. Don't say, well, that could never happen to me. Yes, it could. But this tops that lie a hundred times over. Once you do make a mistake, the enemy comes and says to you, you can't recover from this. See, I told you you couldn't read your Bible faithfully. I told you you couldn't do this. Here's what I'm telling you. When you mess up, don't give up. Just pick up and go back where you started, where you got off and start again. Listen to what the proverb says. Uh, uh, This will resonate with all of us. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Proverbs 24, 16. Someone once told me that the Christian life is nothing more than falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up all the way to heaven. (laughs) So when you fall down, just get up. Get up. Over a hundred years ago, men and women, a guy who was a Presbyterian pastor, his name is James Russell Miller, wrote a little thing called The Beauty of Self-Control. I found this. He told his readers to think of themselves as drivers in a buggy pulled by a team of horses. He says, as long as we sit in the driver's seat with our hands on the reins and we control the horses, we'll get to our destination. But if the horses become restive and clamp on the bits and we lose control, we find ourselves in a runaway buggy. We have a lot of passions, urges, drives, and desires. As long as we rein them in and control them, we'll make progress in life. But when they get away from us, the results can spell disaster. Self-control, he wrote, gives calmness and poise. It should be practiced not only on great occasions, but on every occasion. A hundred times a day, it would save us from weakness and fluster. So let me encourage you. Add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. And then when you get a little knowledge, add to your knowledge self-control. Ask God to show you where the spots are that you have failure in your life and where you fall when you don't want to fall. And ask God to show you what the strategy of the enemy is. And the Bible says we're never to be ignorant of the strategies of our enemy. Don't be ignorant of his strategies. In other words, study and figure out what to do. It's not just about the issue itself. It's about the pathway to that issue. Don't even get close to the issue Put up a barricade before you get on that road. Shut it down. Turn it off. And watch what God will do in your life. You say, well, I'm not a self-disciplined person. And none of us are. But you're a spirit-controlled person if you're a Christian. And what you can't do, he can do. He just needs you to give him permission. And if you give him permission, he'll do that. Well, it's no wonder that Peter wrote the word self-control in the middle of his list. It deserves priority, it displays maturity, and it demands strategy. So if you're not sure what to tackle, ask your husband, 
your wife, your child, your coworker, or friend, and just say, hey, I know I need more self-control and personal discipline in my life. You know me very well. Where should I begin? What area of my life does it need the most? I promise you, you will get some honest answers, and you'll know where to start. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about relentless determination. This is my favorite of the links in the chain. It is so very needed in our day of listlessness. Don't forget to join us tomorrow for part one of Relentless Determination. And don't forget, you can get a copy of the Mediterranean Sea Rules by Rob Morgan, our very special February resource. And uh, you will find out that the same God who governs the weather can guide you through your storms. It's a tremendous, encouraging book, and it's yours for the asking when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Do it now, and thank you ahead of time. God bless you. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We love hearing how God uses Turning Point, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Mediterranean Sea Rules. It offers biblical tools for navigating life's storms, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also stream more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's messages on demand with our streaming service, Turning Point Plus. For a monthly gift of any amount, visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Everything You Need, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Focus your heart on the hope of the resurrection with Dr. David Jeremiah's classic book called Season of Hope, A Celebration of Easter. You'll receive this timeless work when you make a donation of any amount to Turning Point. And when you give $100 or more, you'll receive a special four-pack so you can share Season of Hope with friends who need encouragement. Request your books and learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Novelist Henry Allen observed that fools live to regret their words, while wise men regret their silences. And that reminds me of what the English statesman Edmund Burke once said. He said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. 
Well, thank goodness Jesus Christ was not a good man who did nothing. He came into this world to confront evil head on, to destroy the works of the devil, and by his death and resurrection, Christ sealed the devil's fate. Now it's up to those of us who are Christ's followers to continue to overcome evil with good throughout the world. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's power to speak out on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.